0: Re-Engage, the weekly podcast where we watch and discuss episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Our cultural bridge officers dissect each episode as well as the pop culture and world events that took place when it first aired. We're a bunch of Gen X adults returning to the series we loved as kids to see how it holds up. So take a deep breath of that intoxicating smell and let's re-engage. My name is Kate Yeager. Welcome to Re-Engage. We are so glad to have you with us. Let's say hello to my fellow Cultural Bridge officers who are joining me here for this recording. Greg Tito, how are you, good sir?
1: Good, how are you, Kate? Very excited to talk about this episode with lots and lots of, you know, just really happy-go-lucky political situations for everyone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, luckily we can't, uh, you know, think about that in our own lives at all so everything everything's <laughs> wonderful uh jimmy g hello jimmy g
2: uh, hello guys sorry i'm sitting on my cod piece i gotta
0: readjust here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> can't wait to talk about this one
0: and of course eric gratton eric how are you good sir
3: I'm, I'm feeling well. I, I feel like when Riker showed up on that planet, it was a little like Gulliver when they had him stand next to any of the uh, of the men who are uh, uh, who were born and raised there. And it, it felt like a couple of audition calls i had been on where my agents didn't quite get the memo.
2: Yes. Remember, that was like the story I told when I got called in with all the beautiful men. And I'm just the little guy in the right, middle of the wall thing. with these Adonises next to me. Maybe they were thinking of that episode.
3: <laughs> yeah. They, they called you in for what was his name? Trent.
0: Yes. good old Trent. 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 Oh, well, we are going to talk about Trent and his nipples uh, in... <laughs> In great detail, as of course we're talking this week about the episode Angel One, which uh, aired on January twenty fifth, nineteen eighty eight. Our star date is four one six three six point nine. Our Nielsen rating was eleven point four, which is an increase from the week before. Mm. Uh, people heard about Data Lore and thought I should check this out, and instead got <laughs> Angel One. So that oh. happened. Uh, In the rest of the world, Good Morning Vietnam was continuing to be number one, uh, while the weekend before Braddock Missing in Action 3 starring Chuck Norris opened...
3: I remember that shit well. Wow.
1: There's a name I've not heard for a long
0: time.
3: (laughs) Little asshole Kansas kid, like 12 years old. You bet your ass I saw all the Rambo and Missing in Action ones when they were in the theaters.
0: This is the one where he has to go back to... uh, He finds out his family is still alive that he left behind in Vietnam and has to go back to... And ends up like rescuing a bunch of children
3: Uh. yes well it's very important that he rescue everyone from uh, their own people (laughs) and uh, (laughs) just terrible 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 optics from the beginning to the end Uh, thank you Chuck Norris for all of the misguided uh, wonderful entertainment for decades although it was fun to watch Bruce Lee kick your ass like that was
2: awesome Mm. one of the
3: best Yes.
1: Oh wait, so he was the was he an antagonist in that?
2: That was early days of Bruce Lee's career and early, Chuck Norris oh, right, right, was right. uh someone they sent in to get his ass kicked. Now <laughs> yeah, this makes sense. Among many others. Yeah. Kareem Abdul
3: Jabbar. Oh, that was fant- legendary, fantastic fight scene.
0: On the radio, <laughs> NXS's Need You Tonight was making its <laughs> way to number 1. Oh. Y'all oh. That is one of the sexiest fucking songs of the 80s. I swear to God.
3: Mm -hmm. 1,000% yes. Something about you,
0: girl, makes makes me me sweat. sweat. Oh, fuck. That's the
3: first first album I bought on cassette tape. I used my own money. I brought it to summer camp with me that summer. This shit was real. I loved that goddamn band.
1: I had that cassette tape too. It was iconic. Every track on that is good, but every single
0: track.
1: Need you tonight into mediate. Try not to hate. Love your maid. Don't suffocate on your own hate. hate. Kate
0: Kate? had my name in it. You better believe it, (laughs) motherfucking (laughs) had my name in it.
2: (laughs) <laughs> that tape got worn out in Stuttgart, Germany, as we were coming back from the bars every Friday and Saturday. And my best friend's Volkswagen Vanagon. Yes. Oh, strong.
3: Uh, Ours was uh, 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 Buick Riviera, Matt's Buick Riviera. It was that and Red Hot Chili Peppers.
1: There's Ooh. my friend's Volvo sedan gone the way to CCD, this is the first time I heard that. Uh, album when it started with New Sensation the dad was rocking out to it and oh, was like introducing yes. us GCD. to it and I was like man need you, uh, what was it? New Sensation So
3: good So good Okay we are Gen
0: X <laughs>
1: <laughs> Here we are for you to entertain
3: you. What? <laughs> uh, what else happened in January uh, of 1988, Kate? On
0: the New York Times bestseller list, we had The Bonfire of the Vanities by mm. Tom oh. Wolf. Mr. Wolf. Yes, which I have to admit is one of those books that I always go, hmm, yes, Bonfire of the Vanities, blah, <laughs> blah, blah, but have never read. <laughs> oh, no, I've never read
2: that one. I love what Tom Hanks did with it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: the the uh, notorious movie has been seen Oh,
0: right I, and, I, I've not uh, seen the movie Like at
3: that point, who would want to read the book No matter how often you're told it's wonderful <laughs> And we should, and we all intend to still, right?
0: I remember, because he released that, uh, that, that story Episodically through Rolling Stone and right. then eventually edited it together and did some changes, but but I remember my dad like excitingly buying each episode or you know each issue so that he could read the next <laughs> chapter. Issue. was very it's, British of you.
3: Have you trained upon the stage? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: that that's made me think of they just announced uh emma thompson's gonna play uh trench bowl in the matilda movie which i'm
0: so excited about yeah oh, that's new
3: Matilda movie. that is uh
0: that is one of the dream roles for me which usually is not for me uh and uh which always causes me a little bit of uh, it will be now yeah yeah so this episode was written by Patrick Berry, who does not have much w- in the way of notable writing credits, uh, other than writing for the TV series War of the Worlds in 1989, which I had forgotten was a series. I, I
3: had no memory of I that. I don't
0: think it lasted very long. Uh, but he hmm. also wrote for a show called Tattooed Teenage Alien Fighters from Beverly Hills in wow. 1985. This was a TV show? Yeah. Television show called "Tattooed Teenage Alien Fighters," so I must say I'm maybe not surprised at the at the direction that this particular script went. Um, it feels like maybe this is in his oeuvre.
2: No, well, w- before we go down any further with that, this it has almost no bearing to what Patrick. Well, yes, Barrier I was. I, like, I was like, just
0: about to say. I was almost just about, nothing about the episode. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that in in great detail okay. because what ended up happening uh, on state on screen was very 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 different uh, than what was written. Uh, Did he have,
1: he exciting. wanted to be teenage crime fighters? Is that what the, the original <laughs> <laughs> Angel One was full of? <laughs> tattoos and teenagers this
0: story believe it or not uh that was a show remember that show believe it ripley's believe it or not believe mm-hmm. it or not we I, know it's I feel show.
3: like I, I feel like um jack palance in that was like very early you know asmr kind of he he was always mm. just believe it or not <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of breath in that guy's yeah. performance yeah. he was awesome <laughs>
0: Uh, This episode was meant to be about apartheid. Get it? Don't you get it? Holy shit! It's totally Mm. about apartheid, you guys.
3: Straight
0: up. So I'm gonna tree read...
3: apples to horse apples. And
0: not only did it not translate, uh, you know, from uh, you'll never guess, Roddenberry got his hands on it, uh, and hmm. things started hmm. to change. And not Nipples. only not only did things change. Um, from the first script to the sec uh, last script, but things changed quite a bit in the filming itself. Uh, so much so that Patrick Stewart stepped forward and asked for certain segments to be changed, which he thought and the cast thought were too sexist. Uh, and there was a lot of on stage uh, or sorry, onset friction with the director. Uh, wow. Here is here is a a rather lengthy quote. If you want to live with me through this here, uh, that yeah. was. Uh, Producer Herbert Wright um, talked about this. He says, so one of the major issues is we didn't want to do an Amazon women kind of thing where the women are six feet tall with steel D cups, he recalled. <laughs> I said, the hit I want to take on this is apartheid. So that the men are treated as though they are blacks of South Africa. Make it political. Sexual overtones. Yes, but political which already in and of itself has some issues. Uh, But he goes on to say, well, that didn't last very long. Everything that Jean got involved with had to have sex in it. It's so perverse to think, it's hard to believe. The places it was dragged into is absurd. We were talking about how women would react, and Jean was voicing all the right words again, saying, oh yes, we've got to make sure that women are represented fairly, because after all, women are probably the superior sex anyway, and it's really important we don't get letters from feminists, because we want to be fair and don't want to infer that women have to rule by force if they do rule, because men don't have to rule by force very sensible stuff, all of it. we'll talk about that later. Uh, but then he goes on to but then he goes on to say all of a sudden something kicks in and he changes. Quote, however, we also don't want to infer that it would be a better society if women ruled. His voice became increasingly louder. Roddenberry continued that this was because women were untrustworthy, vicious creatures, which he angrily blurted out in a torrent of hateful verbiage, concluded Wright. Then he looks out the window, looks at the outline and says, Okay, on page eight.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So... I mean, I didn't know much about Gene Roddenberry other than what you hear in the very friendly fan segments that, that tend to be populated by Gen X or older fans. And as we're going through this, like, I mean, every every week I'm a little bit more like, fuck J.K. Rowling. Yeah. <laughs> With, yeah. And, and, you know, fuck this guy. Right. And it's, it's wonderful where the property has gone since he died uh well, and even this some of the show... things that it happened when he was alive fantastic but like specifically fuck this guy
1: right <laughs> well it's amazing that this series is so like it, it seems to have succeeded despite him rather right. than for him right like mm-hmm. everything that he's doing here seems to be i mean as we look at it you know in on under the guise of 40 years later you know, being like, oh, man, this does not hold up. But I don't know. I think he was so worried about being canceled again that he was trying to, I don't know, maybe I'm I'm projecting a little bit here, like trying to say like he's uh, attempting to to paint himself not into a corner, but by doing so, he ends up, you know, tripping over everything that he's doing and making it
2: worse. I think it's a good point, uh, 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 Greg. And I think it's important for us to sort of put this uh, as a stick in our podcasting Uh, measurement for as we go forward and there's less and less Roddenberry let's examine does this show get better in terms of leaving behind these things that we've seen with Code of Honor and now Angel One and other episodes or was it Roddenberry and the rest of white America still in 1980s and we were just really that bad as right I mean we already know it's still here so it's easy to you know, say without a doubt that it was there. Um, and did it just were we so polluted with racism that we thought in 1988 that this was being liberal and progressive by doing these kind of things? And it'll be interesting to see in seasons three and four. Are we going away from that? Or is light dawning on Marvel Head like, no, we are just really bad white people. And this is a reflection of it like we thought we were being i grew
3: up up as a white kid in kansas and at this point i would have been 12 and i think 12 (laughs) is old enough to have noticed some problems so far and i certainly didn't the first time i saw it like i know that i had a lot of racist tendencies then and i know i probably still have a lot to unpack now but my goodness watching this has been a shock uh, which in and of itself is privileged and 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 racist in its own way.
0: And certainly for the time period, there are things that are present in these episodes that are quite groundbreaking, and yeah. and absolutely changed. You know, opened doors and changed the zeitgeist. However, you look at some of the things that that didn't dawn on us, or that that you know because of again privilege or 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 where we were our age at the time that we were encountering this all all of those things that it's really interesting to watch well
2: and it's so amazing because when i know that when i was watching it it never occurred to me that uh you know in the on this planet of angel one in all these supposedly strong women it was uh, and i grew up in a matriarchal family (laughs) like i Though my mom was the boss, my grandma was the boss. So that was never something that was shocking to me, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but I still like one, I know for a fact when I first watched this, it never occurred to me like there's no black women, (laughs) right? It's just it's still again. And then like when I was watching this, I noticed that and I was like, what was Jordy and Worf, were they put there as like, well, we got to have a black person. and and like so it it doesn't even seem very progressive in that regard it's like because in every other circumstance you just immediately central casting goes to i mean remember when we went to hitler youth world like it was all (laughs) beautiful white people and there is like the only there's no other color um it's amazing that i did not notice and now it's like it jumps out at me like oh oh yeah it's. Uh, I mean, whitewashed. It's world. Worth noting, there are no black people
3: in this particular panel right now. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> true. It's true. How much of the uh, of the B plot uh, of the of the virus was in uh, the writer's original script? The B that...
0: plot is very added on, uh, and in the original, uh, well, and in the original, sorry. The last version of the script before it came out, uh, you know, before it was filmed, I should say, um, Picard was the only one who was supposed to get sick. So Mm. it wasn't a a ship wide. um, And it it was also uh, not meant to have been started on the holodeck. The students were supposed to be coming back from a real trip to a planet where they were where they brought back this thing so we didn't have Another a monumental failure.
2: Malfunction <laughs> of reality from a make-believe world.
0: Yeah. Uh in, in there uh in, in there uh, uh Riker was actually put in jail um for speaking to the female commander uh unsolicited uh and uh had to be phased by Tasha basically to save his life. She put him put him on, you know, uh and so then the men of the planet actually rise up as one uh and have uh, o- sort of overthrow the planet this is all the same stuff from the book yeah oh.
2: <laughs> did it talk about the set on that article as well
0: uh a little bit yeah mm-hmm. uh but but i'll let you talk about the set jim <laughs> oh there's
2: well, nothing important it's the exact same set from data lore yes they just redressed it for this one and they use it for the rest of the season reworking it and redressing it so they could get all the mileage they could out of the not? dollars they spent. Um, like a rep theater. Good work.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the laboratory and the caves. Yeah, of course. Now I'm seeing the two major locations do look very similar.
3: Add a couple of gauze curtains here. Right. Maybe a
2: glowing ball. Some it the or it's the uh, never with, with Riker's
1: chest. You'll never look at it. <laughs>
2: They're going to be too busy looking at the cod pieces in the nipples. <laughs>
0: so, let's, so let's dive into this episode. Uh, Hell yeah. Dare I say head first. Uh, although, watch out where you land. Uh, so we find out at the beginning of this episode that we are looking uh, for the uh, remains of a ship. Um, that had crashed uh, seven years prior, and they're just now able to get around to get to this planet to see, uh, because they know that there are three missing escape pods. The last visit was by Starfleet 62 years ago, and then they find out it's a female-dominated society. So we get to hear from Troy first, which I love.
3: And right away, they say the word female as opposed to woman like four times. Uh, At least Picard, when he does it, does it in the adjective uh, sense as opposed to the noun, as several of the others do. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I remember this episode pretty well, I feel like, but I did not remember these two plots intersecting.
0: Mm. Yeah, we get we get a really uh, early look at what is maybe my new favorite Wesley Crusher outfit which is the silver ski jump with the I believe Jimmy did you did you refer to it as a a Olivia Newton John
2: yes (laughs) let's get physical yes complete with the rope bandana yeah which you know when you're skiing you want to you need something to keep the sweat out of your eyes uh
0: and then and then of course a snowball hits Picard oh shit
2: and can
3: we talk about the deadpan look that Worf gets while snow stays on his face for the rest of the scene? Yes, and he just stares at Wesley.
2: <laughs> oh, it's brilliant! Yeah, and smells so something very cling-on-in. And-
0: yes, <laughs> and then and then there's a strong smell, which is just bizarre, and and to me indicates how forced in this. Uh, part of the plot is because it's such an (laughs) awkward forced moment that seems so out of nowhere. It's what is that smell?
3: At least in Ghostbusters, it was listen, (laughs) do you smell something? (laughs) 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 At least if you're going to do it, just do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But then we go down to the planet. We learn that data has not been taught about aphrodisiacs, which I find to be suspect he doesn't understand what uh what good smells are yeah
2: i mean what I mean, did he, he do bu- when he was bu- with yar that night
0: correct i was told that he was fully functional <laughs>
2: right <laughs> you should
1: know how the nose uh, uh affects things but even just that the word isn't he yeah. the first like 10 episodes he's all about like i couldn't give you the definition of every word but like aphrodisiac he's like it's oh, not in, in your
3: dictionary it. I mean, he's still on, like, servos, and, <laughs> you know, he's he's still basically steam-powered. So, I mean, give the guy a sec. He'll take care of it. He'll figure out. It turns out I learned so many words at the end of January 1988. I guarantee you this is the first time I heard the word aphrodisiac. It's probably true. So, that was exciting for 12-year-old me turning to mom and dad and going, Okay, so here's the thing. <clears throat> All of that true because they said the word they explained the word in great detail and it was very helpful to me i'm certain <laughs> right from you know night blooming klingon smells to pheromones and aphrodisiacs i had a lot to uh, unpack
1: but during that time period you saw a lot of uh uh gas station uh selling a spanish fly and all of these things that had aphrodisiac right there. And I remember asking as a kid, being like, what are those? And <laughs> oh, shut up, kid, just, yeah, you know, go what, away.
0: What was with selling Spanish fly out of and a... And
1: horny goat weed? Out of like, a
0: fucking dispenser. And what maybe was Maybe this was it only act- a
1: Northeast thing, but there was certainly yeah, a lot I, of it. Like.
3: I was not in places in Kansas that had those, but I'm, I'm perfectly happy to hear those stories. It they were that... basically
1: herbal. Suppul- it's like, what, uh, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, the guy that got banned from YouTube, uh, who's the crazy, uh, um,
3: Oh, you gotta narrow that shit.
1: Down, I know. Right. Man. Uh, Alex Jones, when he does all these like herbal supplements, it's basically that stuff uh, that was sold in small quantities. That That horny goat weed, yeah, that you can just oh, if you just pop this pill, you'll you know be a a strong male. uh, And if you, well,
3: I mean that's every commercial on sports radio these days. So like, yeah, yeah, fucking morons. I never
1: took it myself, but I do remember uh, that was what my dad tried to explain it to me as.
3: Just let your dick get soft as you get older, you stupid shits.
1: <laughs> but before I'm going back to Wesley and his friend. Yeah, uh, I just love Unnamed that awkward friend. moment. Unnamed friend, uh, they definitely had uh, a fun time doing a snowball fight. You get an old dressing down by Picard, <laughs> and that this the this scene just lasts a little too long. They go into the turbo lift. The turbo lift door closes. And I want to be like, what the fuck does they do? They talk about? Do they do like little kid stuff? Are they like talking about aphrodisiacs and what that smell was? And did you fart? Is that did Morph <laughs> smell that fart? God, the captain is such a dick. Yeah, you should see what it's like on the bridge. He yells at me all the time in front of mom. He told me <laughs> to
3: come up Saving their lives. <laughs> I feel like Lower Decks has really changed the way that we kind of watch all this stuff. You know, it's great. Like, the universe is so expanded, I wouldn't have thought of that even when I was a kid. Like, I thought about the scenes that happened on the ship that we saw. (laughs) Right. And then outside of that, I mostly didn't think of that unless I was, you know, doing character study, uh, which I don't tend to do when I'm watching shit. Yeah. it's so cool. Anyway. Cool.
0: So once we're down on the planet, uh again, I find it uh it, it, it bizarre that they've been gone for 7 years and they're just like and they have to put some sort of a time limit on this situation, right? We have to have some sort of a danger that we so we start to hear about Romulans. First uh, time ever. First, first time. time, yeah, they in know. the in TNG. next generation that we're hearing about Romulans. Um, but I find that interesting as an artificial sort of barometer of we need to raise the stakes. How do we fucking raise the stakes? Uh, also Romulans. In. Also
2: Ferengis, you're out.
0: Yeah. Ferengis. <laughs> you had
2: your chance. We gave you two episodes. You're out. And and it was I a wondered, grand experiment. We're going back to the Romulans.
1: <laughs> I wonder if that was inserted during production as they were writing some of the later episodes from, from this season. Uh, And so they're like, all right, well, I guess we're going to have to bring back the Rhyme. so let's insert just like they did with the Ferengi and the pilot and the second episode of of name checking this race. That's going to be, you know, uh, introduced later
3: on. Totally. That makes complete sense. I hadn't thought of that.
1: Sneezing. See, the sneezing Uh is a thing here.
3: Here it comes. Oh,
0: it went away. Damn it. I did. I can
3: report to you all because I have hearing issues that uh, on the subtitles, when Worf sneezed. It says Klingon
0: sneeze. Ooh.
3: <laughs> to differentiate it from the sound of a normal human sneeze. Well, yes, we cut. And I. I really, really wish that I had had it muted so I could have had that moment of imagining what Klingon sneeze means, as opposed to having it just be a little louder. I
0: have to say I was a little disappointed in the Klingon sneeze. I feel like if you are going to, it's a little bit, it's the it's the Chekhov's gun of the of the episode. <laughs> if you're gonna tell me, because they sort of tease it, he's like, I'm going to sneeze. Right. Uh, and then I'm like, oh well, we're we're gonna build up this anticipation, and they they barely they sort of boost it uh, uh, yeah. the audio a little bit, but I want it to be a violent, like he should end yeah, up on it's the knock other that house down. on the other side of the fucking room.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that moment was done in editing, right? Like they were like they couldn't get the shot. I don't think they got the shot of Michael Dorn sneezing loud enough maybe he did yeah. it and his prosthetic fell off or something like that but they just didn't have the shot and so they cut away to jordy to hear that that audio clip and you're right it's totally an engineered yeah. sound effect it's not him actually sneezing on set uh, uh and yeah i mean that's that's one of those like here's how editing can help seamlessly <laughs> fix production problems which were seriously happening on this episode
0: I, totally i love that before we know that warf is sick We find out Wesley and his friend are sick, right? We see them on the sick bay. And then Picard, it goes to Picard, and Picard kind of does this neck stretch thing for a brief moment. And it's the way you know he's sick, right? (laughs) It's just this moment where he's like, and everything's fine. Uh, uh, Neck rub. Uh, I'll be dying of dysentery (laughs) tune.
3: Yeah, it's the (laughs) cough in the first scene. It's coming back, you know, <laughs> everyone. I was watching a movie the other day and a character coughed at the beginning and it never came back and I felt cheated. Oh, you should feel I'm, cheated. I'm like, I was worried about that fucker for two hours.
1: How is there no scene where they sneezed and they look at the at their handkerchief? There's gotta and be there's a, a
2: red a, dot. There's gotta be a red dot. That's just the rules. Well, and Eric, how did you feel about Ramsey's cup holding moment the first time we meet him? I was thinking of you. As we oh, first I come think in, I he's holding the mug, and he even does a salute, but you can tell he knew he was going to do uh. it, so he did the salute too early, and then he says, <laughs> I salute, and he does it again. And I'm like, Ooh, Oh
3: I did Eric's notice that he gonna, saluted twice. I was like, why did he
2: do that? But I didn't go back yeah, to double check. Because it totally was like oh. you were saying last week with, you know, it's uh, not everyone can hold the cup. <laughs> Not everyone can do it, man. <laughs> Messed up it's his top tough. business.
0: <laughs> I I absolutely am that actor that I'm, that I, I want them to put like glue weights down in that shit. Uh, like it doesn't when hurt I, when anyone. I, w- do when it when I carry briefcases and shit. I I I always ask permission to fill that shit. Like. I'm not that good. I know my, I know yeah. my limits. <laughs> I saw
3: the Harry Potter uh, stuff on Broadway, and that was my only problem with it. Is a couple of the dancers couldn't fake weight in a, uh, a suitcase that was part of choreography all the way through. And I'm like, these are not empty. And that's it. That's the only thing that I one had a note. With it. But it one those, note were, that those were
0: magical yeah. suitcases.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> anyway, shouldn't the house so, elves have
0: been carrying those?
2: <laughs>
0: so we go... Uh, it's political. We, we get into this kind of rhythm with this episode where we have, uh, again, it's the A plot and the B plot, right? But we have things going progressively worse on the Enterprise in terms of... Uh, the the staff on deck is s- slowly dwindling, uh, where on the surface, things are getting sexier and sexier. Mm-hmm. So until that,
1: Trent shows up.
0: Until Trent. <laughs> oh, Trent. <sighs> uh, here's my favorite thing about Trent, uh, the actor who plays Trent. Um, had many different uh, uh, credits that credited him as dancer. Um, sure. Uh, including credited as the dancer in The Man Who Wasn't There. Awesome. And in his IMDB page, it says, Currently, and I really hope it's true, Currently Dancing with the Palm Springs Follies, a dance troupe of performers aged 55 to 80 plus. (laughs) Ah,
2: This makes me
3: very happy.
0: I love Trent.
3: Good for Trent. Yeah,
0: Leonard Crowfoot. Yeah, good old Leonard
2: Crowfoot.
1: Good old Leonard
0: Hmm. C R O F O O T. Cru.
3: I have no idea but good Lenny.
0: Crufuts. I think
3: it's yes. Uh
0: so they get so Riker gets a present.
1: <laughs> yes. In the middle, you know, mid mid uh mid yeah. kiss with the <laughs> elected one. Met,
0: we've already met Trent. Uh and Trent uh is full of nipples and yes. uh and of course god pieces. Mm-hmm. Um He's big. And, and and it's interesting the way... Uh, oh, the cod piece is big? Is that what you're...
2: Yeah, he's small in stature, but big in other areas.
0: <laughs>
2: His costumes. <laughs> His costume is big.
0: <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about how the men on this planet are portrayed. It's an interesting way yes. that yeah. they fuck up this storyline also right there's many things they do to fuck up this storyline that's about uh, I'll just keep reminding us apartheid uh, <laughs> cuz that's not going to be clear continuing on forward uh yeah but they 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 have the men very diminutive in stature uh yeah. also very feminine uh in their in their styling uh which is an interesting I don't know what we're trying to say. Uh, I, I assume no. it's if women are going to be in charge, it's got to be a particular kind of... Well, yeah, of let's
2: ask you, Kate, as a woman... Ooh, represent them all, please. Thank
0: you, I'm ready.
1: They're a monolith.
2: I'm not oh. asking you to talk for anybody oh. but Kate Yeager. You're not speaking for women around the world. Just you, That bitch? singular. <laughs> what did you... Did you find it attractive? Like, if you could dress every man in the world, is this how men would be because let's let's be clear this is presented as this is how the planet dresses yes every man on the planet wears this exact outfit
0: there is a certain interesting uh, that that they make the men more stereotypically feminine in styling and in presentation that says something interesting about that would be the only situation where perhaps a matriarchy could exist is if we had right you know the stereotypical view uh, you know an 80s view of what uh, a man who would be uh, dominated by women might look like right that was a lot to say I'm sweating (laughs) my underarms are sweating
1: it's tough too because you know, looking at this, f- even from uh, the '80s point of view, like all of the men on this planet are are coded very gay. They're, it's yeah. very homosexual. It's not necessarily what we, uh, you know, wh- I, yeah. I don't know, and I don't know if that's us putting our norms and things on this very different planet, uh, and and how their society works, but. You know, even in the writing of it, it gets confused because the elected one is like, well, I've never been attracted to you, Riker, as much as I have right. to any of the men on my planet. So clearly there's something innate about Riker right. that is more attractive. But
0: Well, and there's a little it, it a little bit gives you the like, if she just had a good fuck, she would understand a little bit more about, you right. know, relationships yeah. between men and women. I mean, you know what I'm saying?
3: Oh, there's a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm definitely i it's interesting because i i clearly can speak for no one and yet i will speak for krista who is (laughs) sitting there and and who got a real kick out of those outfits and honestly kind of when when the elected one and her friend (coughs) were saying oh no it was uh when uh, lieutenant yar and counselor troy were making fun of Riker and going you know Commander, it's kind of sexy. Krista's sitting there next to me and goes, "Well, yeah, that's kind of sexy," and and she kind of was in love with the fashion as worn by Riker because he looks great.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is where I hesitate because you asked me, Jimmy. Like, is that attractive on Riker? Yes, right. it is. Like, <laughs> and, and and let's not. Diminish the fact too that we get uh, a bare-chested Riker and a bare-chested Picard in the same episode. Happy birthday to me! <laughs> Thank you.
3: Well, and I think I mean I don't know if what what kind of music and stuff you guys grew up listening to, uh, or you all grew up listening to, but uh, you know clearly the glam stuff of the seventies played around with gender and and stuff like this, and there's there's a lot of that influence. Here and that and that comes. Trent even from, has the swoosh you know, of a of a young David Bowie Ziggy uh, Stardust. type thing. Stuff, definitely. Yeah. And at this point, it was the super duper over hyper masculinized uh, look that was co-opted by uh, pop metal too. Well, so at this point, you had the Motley Crues and Poisons who were filling out their hair and glittering and eye makeuping and and co-opting feminine visual language for their own hyper-masculinity. And I, I don't know that that's at all what these designers were, uh, piggybacking on, but it's, it's interesting because I think of a lot of these design choices on men in the eighties as being David Lee Roth and, you know, CC DeMille and people like that, as much as I think of it as being, uh, uh you know, looked at with, uh, only the, uh, hyper feminized uh version but it was also being kind of taken and turned and distorted by men in the music industry at this point too
1: yeah no you're right um i I have to say that while there's definitely problematic things throughout this entire episode and it's strange to to look at it with this lens it did kind of make its point to me at least with the scenes in which Riker is uh first talking to the elected one uh wearing that costume I'm, I'm looking at Riker's chest the entire time. I'm not really I mean I'm paying attention to the dialogue a little bit but I'm just constantly looking down and then I actually really appreciated that the elected one was directed to also look down a few yes. times as directed you know and she's distracted you know you can t- you can tell yeah. that there's some playing with objectification and who is receiving and and and, and doing the objectification and I I, I thought about that and I remember being a kid you know 10 years old, and thinking about that for the first time, and and puzzling that, I don't think I ever really, you know, clicked or anything solved. You know, or, you know, all of a sudden sexism was saved. Uh, but like, you know, I it was really instrumental in in starting those thoughts uh, in, in a young adolescent Greg.
3: Mm. There- I like to think that that look was the the choice that got her the gig <laughs> in the audition room.
0: <laughs> There's a great line. That she says that actually, again, sort of hits like if the, if the whole episode was like this, right, mm-hmm. where she says, I like the way your eyes pick up the color of your tunic, totally. which is just so I've been there. I like <laughs> transport me to any bar, right? Like, I, like I have been there. And, you know, had they chosen to sort of treat him really as an object and not have her truly be won over by his charms. But all he is is to her something that she can use and then set aside. What an interesting point they could have made. They also could have talked about apartheid. <laughs> <laughs> which would have been interesting. Uh, she takes a full on dive to into that forest of chest hair. And it is just a luscious mane of locks. <laughs> I like that it seems for a moment that Will is really struggling with what we think are real ethical decisions about smashing with her, but it's, it's not real. He just says, no, we are wrong. I hope you'll respect me in the morning. There's no concern (laughs) about like maybe fostering the wrong notion (laughs) or the, the prime directive or,
2: I feel like
3: the moment he was talking to Lieutenant Yar over the intercom and used the following tone when he said, uh, in the interest of uh, (laughs) diplomatic relations, I'm going to have to remain here while you do all my work. (laughs) And Lieutenant Yar's response to it, like visually, she knew exactly what he meant. She was taken aback. And then he Gross. walked through that gauze curtain. So, the question I put to all of you, if I may, is Lieutenant Riker, is Commander Riker, excuse me, please, he didn't spend all that, all that time in Riker school. Um, <laughs> I cannot get the respect. Is Commander Riker perhaps a registered companion this whole time?
0: <laughs>
3: Very
1: shiny.
0: They have a beautiful moment, too, where they are kissing and it fades out to the flames of a fire down on the planet, which I think is just an an entendre. Like, I don't even think it's a double. I think it's just an an entendre.
1: (laughs) It was hot and steamy. I think that's what I was trying to say.
3: Yeah, crackling.
1: Um, But that uh, that, uh, Will You Respect Me in the Morning line falls real flat. I mean, it it does not work. It feels weird. It doesn't even fit. You're right. Like the fact that he should be having these moral quandaries. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that is also like a cultural line like that was like a thing in the 80s i feel like that was like in oh, Doonesbury or Blue county absolutely Will you respect will you like, so
0: respect me in the morning yeah
1: like yeah. it was on a t-shirt it's like they're going to
3: wake up smoking a cigarette in the next scene is what you expect next yeah
1: was that a line from a movie or something like was it from a fatal attraction or something like that like it feels like it was it was it was a trope during that time
3: right some... I don't know where it originated, but I, yeah.
1: And we're not going to look it up, but, no. you know, so that's...
3: <laughs> yeah. That's not who we are.
1: That is clearly a Gene Roddenberry and yeah. Mary edition, right? That, that clearly had to be like a, you know, why don't you just say this, Riker, and, you know, use your charm.
0: It's, a, it's the modern day equivalent of, and I've done this. I've been in in fights on stage where inevitably the Matrix moment of arms straight out in front of you with the palm and the come, come at me. You know, moment totally. that has to happen because it's part of the zeitgeist, Greg. yeah
3: totally. It's part of yeah. the
0: zeitgeist. Well, let's talk about what's happening on the uh, on the Enterprise because Geordi gets left in charge, gets command, and has Looks a good in that chair. a really beautiful moment with Worf. Yeah, uh, as he's trying to figure out this command thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right after the sneeze scene, right? Or like yeah. you know, it's in that same
0: Sim- Yeah, it's in that same. Time yeah, period.
1: where Jordy, you know, he, he's a little bit taken aback that he has to get yeah. command. And he, and he even says, you know, Worf asks him a question. and He's like, make it so. And you're like, yeah, oh, you're trying it on, buddy. I can see that. And, you know, he certainly Worf gives him a little look and a nod. It was really, really neat. And uh, and then later, Worf is sneezing and gets dismissed. And Jordy's like, go to sick bay. And then he gets a call. For, yeah, I'm explaining the scene. He gets a call from engineering. <laughs> and it. then uh, uh, he has to go. <laughs> Uh, or he thinks he has to go and it's Worf, who's slowly walking because he knows he's got one more line that he's gotta deliver.
2: <laughs> or, he's <laughs> says, sick. or he's sick.
1: Or yeah, he's sick. Yeah, he definitely sick. had that he had that like, you know, morose donkey walk. Uh
2: <laughs> up, up, up the ramp.
1: <laughs>
2: it's all my resume under wow. special skills. It's, it's a very important one. No one here but yeah. maybe Eric would know what a morose donkey looks like. <laughs> and only because he comes from a very rural state. <laughs>
1: we
3: didn't have donkeys, but they're 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 very similar we to the horses
2: that Eeyore. We all know Eeyore. That's what
1: I was going That's for, guys. True. It was clearly an Eeyore. <laughs>
0: but he as he's slowly walking away.
1: <laughs> yeah, he says, you know, with all due respect, you gotta you, you, there's other people to do that job. You're the you're the captain now. You have to delegate and uh it was just really touching, and Jordy's like, "Yeah, you're right. Okay, cool." And then he says, "Thank you" to Worf, and the two of them share that one really emotional moment when Worf's in the in the turbo lift, and Jordy Jack there, and he says, "Thank you." And man, you just don't see too emotional many. Emotional for Jordy,
2: I don't know that it was all that emotional for Worf. Well, I think Worf, yeah.
1: to a certain extent, maybe for Michael Dorn actually, and and sure. and Levar Burton more so, because you know, there's so many things about Star Trek. It was the first interracial kiss, and you know, and and, and we talked about. Uh, Uhura was, a, a a great inspiration for black women, uh, being represented on the screen here in this one. When the first time I watched this, uh, yeah, here in 2020, I was like, man, it is really nice to see two black characters, uh, uh, basically just attaboy each other and be like, Hey, you know, you could do this and it would be really awesome. And the other one being like, yeah, I am going to do that. And thanks. I needed that. And totally. and it really hits in a very nice, happy, positive way, and that doesn't feel like all of the apartheid stuff that should be being talked about <laughs> in this episode. You know what I mean? It feels very much uh, needed, you know, in nineteen eighty eight as much as it was is needed now in in twenty twenty one.
0: Well, it feels like a really concrete moment too. Like it's a, a, a it's a it's a very. Um, touchstone moment in an episode that is really off the rails in a lot of ways like we have this mysterious sniffing disease uh that's that's (laughs) running around we have uh riker's unrepentant nipples uh down on the planet and it's just nice to have that moment of quiet and solitude and of camaraderie and 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 uh friendship yeah yeah Yeah. and respect I'm of expecting. of
1: not only each other, but of of the command and how, you know, the ship should be run. And, and it was, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. But another thing that totally hits different, which you just mentioned, which was Dr. Crutcher being like, oh, that aha moment of like, Wait, it goes through the air? Through the air? Right, and no, it's no like, shit. Do we ping? all just duck and under our
3: tables yes, and cry. Yes.
1: All of us here in COVID land are just like, dude, what are you talking about? As they're Seriously. talking
0: about quarantining people in their quarters, and they won't let the the team beam back up because they're under quarantine. Ugh. Ooh. I I go to this show for escapism. Well, thank you very much.
3: <laughs> Krista turned to me, and I know I talk about her a lot, listeners, but I'm marrying her and I think she's swell. <laughs> uh, she turned to me, again, noticing that the show was on at one point, and said, it feels like there's a lot of plagues. <laughs> and... I put to you: This is at least is yep. this is the second this or the third, and, in this it's and the also second at least when
2: it's a subplot to something else happening, <clears throat> and on top of that, also a ticking clock of when it has to be done, right on the ship. Also, as something else was happening down below. So yeah, it's a parallel plot line that is used as a crutch more than once, and always <laughs> uh, to little success. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, it's a tradition at this point, right? It certainly was done in, in the original series as well. Um, but like, it was just funny that, you know, of the things she noticed in this episode, it was that there's always plagues and that Riker's the sexy one. And like, she's right. And, she's and
2: if right. you don't know how it happens, blame it on the holiday. Yes. or the Somebody has to be sued. They need an episode where we see <laughs> the person who designed the com- the the holodeck gets their comeuppance for a tragic flaw where you know, bullets become real and diseases can manifest. Oh, my!
1: Man. <laughs> there's going to be like a holodeck salesman. Like, that starts with H. Right. And that, Don't
3: worry H about That
2: sounds trouble. You're going to love it.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Believe me, Federation.
0: So I I want to know why Trent, and first of all, there's a moment where Riker says Trent <laughs> the way he's Trent's name that just kills me. But how come Trent gets to play with the death ball? That feels...
2: Yeah, because he's the pet, the favorite pet, you know, like my lovely... It feels weighted. My little lovely.
0: My little lovely, yeah.
2: You can yeah. kill the people who are trying yeah, to change our society.
3: He's the little point of the triangle. We, yes.
0: we get we get Riker with what I think is supposed to be incre- in, like incredibly deep. It's not revolution, It's Evolution.
3: Mm, Starring David Duchovny.
0: Whoa. Whoa. (laughs)
3: Did you just make a reference to the 1995 film Evolution? Evolution? Yes, I did. (laughs) Well played. I don't know if that's the the year, but I really hope I'm like. You've got to be
0: close.
2: That's pretty good. (laughs) With David Duchovny. Yeah, no. Yeah,
1: and and
3: Orlando
0: Jones. Yes, Orlando Jones. Yes.
1: Uh, So yeah, Riker really gives it all in that speech. Yeah, Yeah, gives it all, and
2: that's all it took to change all those years of matriarchal rule.
0: Well, interestingly enough, it 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 almost doesn't. Right? It isn't until her second in command says her name, Bianca. Yeah, that we get that moment of like, okay. So yes, Riker had something to do with that. With his really deep, it's not evolution or revolution, it's evolution. Uh, And his
2: tunic blue eyes. Yeah, in his hair, his chest hair, and his nipples, in his big cut. He's in his uniform by that But there
0: is a a really interesting moment. Don't forget
2: it, once you've seen it. Once the Riker (laughs) maneuver has been performed, you don't turn around. (laughs) Tattooed on the
3: interior of your eyelids.
2: (laughs) I
1: was going with a different interior.
0: Uh, We also get a, 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 a final, just classy line, for a man you can be quite clever. Just to nail it home. Just about apartheid.
1: About (laughs) apartheid. I think Bishop Tutu said that line first.
3: (laughs) My favorite thing about Trent, if I can go back a moment, is that I know he's on a co-star contract. And I know it because he's in the whole rest of the episode after he stops being able to talk. He says a couple things early. And then they like speak directly to him and ask him to perform complex maneuvers without leaving the room, and they have to like look at him for answers. And it's all just using his hand to show them out the door or something. Mm. Open his mouth as if to speak, and they all walk past him, and he doesn't utter a sound. You and your under five.
1: He could only have five lines. Is that because he would have gotten his, you know, but have a? Has I don't know contract? what the
3: contract was back in 1988 for primetime syndicated. But by the time I came around and and did a couple of soap things, yeah, if you if they gave you more than five lines, they had to sincerely and significantly up your pay. Uh-huh.
0: My uh, I had a professor in college. He was an English professor who uh, was in uh, the movie White Men Can't Jump uh, uh-huh. as the professor from Spokane, Washington in the Jeopardy scene. Um, Amazing. He had taught uh, the director of that movie. Uh, but he... Taught a film class uh, every January term that I took, which was fucking fantastic. Uh, but he recalled shooting that day, and they asked him a question. Alex asked him a question, and he answered the question. And as soon as it stopped, every like all this paperwork came at him, and it was this big fucking deal because he wasn't supposed to have any lines. And through the course oh, of awesome. you know doing it, he just answered the question that was. <laughs> given to him uh yeah but yeah that's a that's a that's a nice catch on that
3: i love
1: that poor trent so he gets to, you know and and he also gets that a terrible you may go from the, <laughs> the elected one like come on there was a yeah. sock on the door
0: <laughs> <laughs> i know at one point i wrote trent saw them kissing
2: <laughs>
3: and that's what i mean like he is Riker is blatantly uncaring about any sort of ethical dilemma that might be around there. It's not even that he's hiding that he's going to do this. He just doesn't care who knows. Which I guess there's some sort of ethical <laughs> victory there,
2: like I don't know. <laughs> No, it all falls apart it really does you can't sleep with with heads of state willy-nilly <laughs> Just... so <laughs> i'm going back
1: a little bit to what you said kate about the like that rod and Mary wanted to add you know say, make this planet not perfect right and like he was trying to so trend actually gets like it's probably the most evil looking like actions in this because he's he does not like Riker. number one like he he acts the hell out of being jealous uh even though he can't talk talk about it he's certainly jealous <laughs> uh and doesn't like that Those whole situation and, talk, yeah. and he clearly wants to execute the the uh whatever the guy's name is ramsey? ramsey uh like he's he's down he's like all right sure we'll do it um yeah you know twice. and i wonder like that's just a, also like a really weird poor choice like and doesn't show any of the um the political ramifications like that men are 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 on the verge of trying to rise up um you know on this planet
0: Oh, yeah that story that plot point is just completely lost to the ages <laughs> right
1: or or maybe now i'm thinking about this maybe trent is like the 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 hyper militant uh you know no this the the social order must be kept the way it is we deserve to be in this situation mm-hmm. you know and it, it you know it's fighting for the status quo which you know obviously we're seeing a lot uh in in, in the world right now so maybe that's That was how it was thought about uh, while directing him to be quite angry and wanting to kill and murder as much as he can.
0: By the way, the guy who played Ramsey, Sam Hennings, has worked pretty much every single year of every decade since the mid-1980s. Like He is a a working actor, uh, including uh, Murder, She Wrote. Doll mm, yeah. Dollhouse, which I was really excited fuck about, yeah. and a TV movie called Escape from Polygamy.
1: Oh, oh holy yeah, shit! Which I
0: would very much like to see.
1: Like a Mormon, <laughs> yeah. like escape. I from
0: think the... so. It's very exciting.
3: <laughs> I can't Mormons believe we're very hot in those late nineties into the two thousands.
2: True. I can't believe we haven't talked at all. I'm Ooh. really hugely disappointed in the three of you. Oh no. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jimmy. We no mention at all has been made that Trent was obviously wearing see-through pants and not any underwear. Like every time he walks out of the room, I'm like, I can see your ass. You are totally free balling it.
0: I must confess, I did not see that. Oh
2: yeah. Wait, 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 Jimmy,
3: Jimmy, Jimmy. What do you think the balls in free ball? means when you say I could see your ass and you were free-balling it.
2: No wonder where,
3: free-balling. Right, but did you see his balls? Like, he, maybe he's got a dance
2: bell. The codpiece. <laughs> maybe. Right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Yes. Thank you. Come Thank on, Thank you for Jimmy. splitting hairs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's, maybe Can it's we just not a thong. You left
2: me a big opening. Can
0: we not split hairs or have big openings right now? <laughs> <laughs> mm,
2: and it was probably I'm just miserable. a thong, Jimmy, really. <laughs> It may have been. I still saw the I'm ass sorry, cheeks, <laughs> and they were nice.
0: That's always what my husband and I do when they, whenever it says brief nudity, we try to guess which uh, male actor's butt we're going to watch. Because that's it's almost really always what brief brief nudity means is you're going to see uh, a man's ass cheeks.
3: We had that conversation during Bridgerton, and then boy, were we surprised!
0: Oh, I haven't watched it yet. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm so excited. <laughs>
3: We loved it. It is what it is. We had a great time. I'm
0: going to get so horny for the Regency.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you are. That's true. It is a very horny series, <laughs> which is a plus.
1: I was going to say the actress who played uh, the elected one, I feel yes. like she was in tons as well. Uh,
0: she, yes, uh, she was, um, well, Okay, she was in a lot of interesting one-off things. Um, Great. But to me, the most exciting thing, and then I recognized her, was she was in Amazon Women on the Moon, which was one of my favorite <laughs> Movies. Oh, Do you hell remember? yeah, I've
3: got to go back and watch I don't remember I, her in it I am going to guarantee you but... that
0: that movie does not hold up now I'm going to just say, like, right care. now that No, 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 <laughs> uh, like, it's going to be a problematic movie uh, <laughs> Oh, I gotcha <laughs> uh, But yes, she was in uh, The woman who played the second in command, Ariel She was Bonnie mm-hmm. Barstow in Knight Rider mm. For many of the seasons
3: Oh, sure I, I didn't recognize uh, the elected one, but can I talk about an acting choice she made Please. that I really love at the beginning? So when she introduces herself, she's she says, I'm the elected one of Angel One, as opposed to the, I'm, I'm the elected one of Angel One. Because uh, everybody says ah. Angel One when they talk about the, the planet, but she changes it specifically to just juxtapose it with the other time she says one in that sentence which isn't necessary grammatically and the two ones are not things that are juxtaposed they don't mean the same thing but what I think it does to like be stupidly over analytic on it what it does is it suggests that the character thinks quickly on her feet and and understands the meaning of what she says when she chose to make that off the cuff uh emphasis comparison and i don't think i would have thought of doing it but i but i think the choice is really interesting anyway
0: nice thanks eric that's acting corner with eric (laughs) (laughs) radney
1: she was also in condor which i i for some reason have a memory of it was a tv movie uh, and that might be where I recognize her the most from, because it was that was in 1986, and that was something that it totally could have been on uh, on the television in my house. But she was also on a bunch of guest starred stuff, one time, uh, including L.A. Law. Uh, but she was on a show oh, called Nero Wolfe uh, with John Delancey. Oh wow! John Delancey was on the same episode that Just, she was uh, on.
3: Timothy Hutton, right? I think so. Yeah, that was an interesting show for a while.
0: She also had uh, later in her career uh, a a night uh, a night. Just one night. (laughs) Uh, She filmed for Warehouse 13, which is one of the Jaeger household's uh, hidden uh, gem of a television show. Mm. I did really like that show. show.
3: That's worth a rewatch now. She
0: was one of the regents.
1: Shout out to Karen Montgomery.
0: Shout it out!
1: (laughs) From the rooftops. (laughs) Uh, She became a producer, too, it says. So, you know, nice. She stayed stayed in the biz, even though she stopped acting around the mid-90s there.
0: Smarter than the rest of us. (laughs)
1: they gave her a couple of moments in this
3: too that were super challenging as an actor she had a couple of death crosses which are just like here's a three line monologue you are being active and directing these to a person but we want you to walk away from that person look away from them for a second then look towards them again and walk towards them at the end of your line Oh, the, and it doesn't make sense ever. But
0: that's a, the soap opera cross.
3: It is. Yeah. And she does it well. The second time, she has that extra special soap opera cross where they make her cross to the death sentencing corner before turning and sentencing death. Like, that was good. She couldn't do it from where she was. She had to go stand in the corner to do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then speaking of that death sentencing thing, after they're, like, about to kill uh, Ramsey, they're like, we will now adjourn. And then they spend about 30 seconds having every single person who's adjourning walk in single file past the guy they were supposed to be killing, looking at him in the eye. And I just thought that was such a strange amount of time of, yes. of people moving that you don't need in in this scene. Like, what was it supposed to... Was it supposed to...
0: And well, then you get that
1: stupid line from Riker. I mean, like, I don't know if that was enough.
0: We're told... Yeah, we're told early on that, that the... Uh, planet is ruled by is it six mistresses and then the elected one or, or seven so I think that's their sort of promise of we told you there were more people in charge. look at them go look at but those yeah, day we'll- players go
1: <laughs> exactly right like let's show the extras do their work.
0: So, right. so that brings us, uh, you know, everything ends up okay at the end because obviously uh, the words of Will Raker, uh, maybe it's that magic nipple touch. I don't know. Uh, it could have been the chest hair, but whatever it is, he gets through uh, and we get back onto the deck of the Enterprise and we meet um, a still sicky pants captain. Who barely croaks out that he's, oh, Captain is fine, thank you. Oh, That's
2: it's some so great horsework.
0: So good,
2: <laughs> horsework
1: and donkey play. <laughs> this, we're talking about he's everything.
3: Genius! That horsework's amazing. <laughs> That's really hard to do. <laughs> it is. Like. You know, there's the story of Matthew Lillard like screaming into a pillow for hours every night so he could make his voice do what he did for Shaggy. shaggy.
1: I don't want to name drop, but I chatted with Matthew Lillard today uh, uh-huh. about his thing. He's awesome. Yeah, and he, he, he can drop into that Shaggy like that. He doesn't have to yell into a pillow oh, anymore. Uh, that's so cool. Yeah, he he's done that before. Like when you're like, oh, my you know, daughter's a fan and he'll just record a message in Shaggy oh, voice uh, for them. So and it's cool. amazing. Yeah.
3: I think the entire cast of uh, Good Girls mm. is one of my favorite uh, group performances in television history. I just think that cast from top to bottom is so fucking perfect.
0: Your face is fucking perfect. Nailed it! No. Well, that brings us to the end, my friends. Uh, any parting words you want to give us on this episode? uh. uh, uh on On our scale of zero to ten enterprises, uh, where are we on this uh, trash fire of an episode that has some beautiful moments in it? Tell us, Greg, where are you at on this episode?
1: I, I'm i going to give this one uh, th- three tricorders because uh, <laughs> there was a lot of tricorder work in this episode, I feel like. They really got a shout-out for tricorders. Uh, Yar was using them. Uh, Crusher was. They figured out where the platinum was all from there. Uh, you know, good. Uh, oh, and then that, another final thing that I really enjoyed was the matte paintings. They kept going to those matte paintings of what, uh, you know, One looks like uh and that
3: same thought
1: uh you know yeah it 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 worked and that weird sci-fi kind of thing but you know overall the episode is a is a clunker it doesn't really mesh the a plots and b plots very well we get a few well acted scenes uh um and uh interesting story moments but it never never really solidifies that this was all about apartheid
0: (laughs) eric
3: Oh, oh, I wasn't I right. know! Um, I'd say, well, I mean, you noticed that you asked us to rate it, and then we all stood there and stared silently at you. I know. semi-accusingly. It made me, it made me feel really Yeah, awkward. I mean, <laughs> um, I rated, like, two Klingon smells <laughs> and a sneeze in there somewhere. It was, It's. it's not a good episode. Again, like... <clears throat> the more and and i you know have a few fun twitter follows like uh, uh, th- that have been doing similar rewatches and and all of them are just kind of like y'all it's a slog to get there but once you hit season 3 and <laughs> at this point i'm like i'm i'm waiting for that last week was a terrific introduction to something coming uh you know the quality to come but this week was just a a one way back thing
0: jimmy D. <laughs>
2: uh I don't remember what I gave Code of Honor. Hopefully I gave it a zero. Uh, But just in case, I'm going to give this one nipple because it is at least one nipple less than what should be on an acceptable chest. (laughs) This was uh, really bad. Um, Almost everything about it was terrible. There's only two moments that I truly appreciated. That was one, the moment between Worf and... uh, Geordi. Uh, it didn't hit me as much as it hit Greg. I didn't find it as precious but I did recognize like oh that's a nice moment. I also thought there was a really nice moment with Riker uh, when he's about to put on the cod piece, and he says you know in defense of himself he says that he's put on something else and then he puts it in, a, in the second line is and it wore feathers. And I don't think <laughs> Jonathan Franks was trying to be funny as Jonathan Franks. I think he chose for Will Riker to use that as a way to uh, to be a little sardonic. And in uh, and the moment, I was like, good for you. That was nice. And you wore feathers. <laughs> Fuck yeah, you did. Because you were Riker. <laughs>
0: uh, I'm going to give this episode two holodeck snowballs. Because uh, <laughs> they sort of sit on your face <laughs> for an That's entire scene. <laughs> slowly melting away so join us next week for episode 11001001
2: yeah, holy shit Wait.
0: very excited take
2: us to our planet we want to go home
0: in the meantime this-
3: are you a robot or an alien is that an office bit
1: <laughs> It's an inspiration for uh, for the aliens in uh... the next yeah, episode. The next yes, episode. next
0: episode. Uh, you guys, I gotta go. My pants are wet.
1: <laughs> it's too much Riker scenes.
0: <laughs> Thanks for being with us on the bridge for this episode of Re Engage. Next week, we are continuing on our mission with the next episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Reengage on Instagram and Twitter at reengagetng to get updates on episode drops and all kinds of fun Star Trek shenanigans. Follow Kate Yeager at yeagerlicious on Twitter and Insta. Eric Gratton is at Eric Falls Down on Twitter and Insta. Jimmy D is of course at the Jimmy G on Insta. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and Greg underscore Tito at Instagram. Reengage is edited and mixed by Krista Curry. Logo artwork by Mojo Jojo underscore 97 on Twitter or Mojo97.com. Theme music is by Ryan Marth. Thanks for listening. Stand by for the saucer section to re-engage.